Welcome, Texas Water Polo fans. On today's TX Water Polo Podcast, we talk about how ODP is finally done, lots and lots of high school water polo, and a conversation with Austin College head coach Mark Lawrence. Here we go. I'm James Smith in Austin, and that is Joe Linehan in North Texas. It's been a jam-packed week of water polo, Joe. Yes, it has. As there was a ton of people from California, um, to the CWPA, to club events, to, to high school events all over Texas. So that's uh, a lot of stuff. I'm exhausted just thinking about how much we have to cover today. So let's just get into it. Um, uh, first things first is that ODP is done, finally. How did how was Riverside? Are you asking me how Riverside the city was or how our trip to Riverside was? Because those are two different things. So, so was the weather nice? <laughs> uh, rained like crazy in our second to... No, in our final game, final game rained cold. Oh, that was not pleasant. Um, well, but other than that, okay, weather okay. was fine. Yeah. How was the like? How was the tournament? I saw that you guys got tenth place. <laughs> I'm very. Development boys, that is. Development boys, yeah. So I'm the head coach, which means I also coach the development boys. Those are the ones born in 06 or 07, 08. There were no 08s on this team, and I'm very, very proud of them. We. Um, so the highlight of the weekend in my mind was uh, our very first game. So those first games, as you may or may not know place you either in the top eight or the bottom eight because there are 16 total teams and so we were seated 10th we played against i guess the seventh seed is that right seventh or eight and uh, eighth and uh, which was san diego the pacific southwest zone tie game 22 seconds left in the fourth quarter and they score we have one chance at an opportunity ball goes about half a meter ahead of a kid who's got inside water goalie takes the ball game over so a one goal loss we impressed um i i, I their their coach is matt ustashevsky who's an assistant at uc san diego i've known him for a little bit of time and uh he was very complimentary to our team i i um i'm really proud of that outcome but here's the funny thing about that compliment that comes from coaches i think those those compliments will come only as long as they still win i think yeah, that, that if we won that, that is, game that is, yeah that would always is don't you think right so oh, yeah, yeah uh, because cool. because they would be they're not going to give you a compliment because they're going to be focused on their team. Right. Uh, not winning. So, but um, after that game, I guess you took it out on the mountain zone where you beat them 19-5 and then you beat the Pacific and then you beat the Southeast zone 17-5. And then I guess you had a barn burner against the Pacific Northwest. Those, the, that, those kids from Oregon, Seattle, uh, we competed against them in Utah for regional championships, which was really fun. We lost them by three. And I'm talking about my team that we split our uh, development team in half when we went to um, Utah. And so for me, it was revenge, you know, like I wanted to get back at them for, for, for losing in that game. But, uh, uh, it was, it was, it was a wild game. Uh, and I know the score indicates that it was wild, but it was just wild. Cause the, the crowd was just going crazy. The, the, the fans for the Pacific Northwest are passionate. Let's just put it that way. And yeah, so I think all water polo people are passionate. James. I'm not sure to the I same degree. This, I guarantee the Southwest zone parents were just as quote unquote passionate. Okay. Well, that was, that was what I gonna, was going to say is like, as soon as they saw what they thought was sort of outsized cheering from that crowd, they went bananas and you couldn't hear anything. Just couldn't hear. Yeah. For those that don't know, the score was 19 to 15. So neither team was playing very good defense. So, Hey, Hey, take that back. You played slightly better defense than them. Oh, there that's a C there. Now we're talking. That's a better way to put it. Um, and, then, and then I guess you finished up with a 
like a one goal loss to Central California? Oh, so well, actually, that one's less of a heartbreaker than the first one, and that and the reason is because we went down nine to three in the first half. It was we were we have a habit of starting slow, and I wonder if that's the coach, but we'll find out. Um, so slow start, the kid and. This is the funny thing about the, the, that game is our starters had a period of time in which let's just say they weren't playing at their best. And so we put in what is essentially a pretty small lineup and uh, that's not a and and they came back three goals straight. It was just awesome. It was so great. So in fact one of the kids on the bench says, "Hey, don't put us back in." I mean, he was sort of joking, of course, but he recognized that these other kids were doing really well. So I'm super proud of them. They came back so that we we lost 11 to 10 um and again had a chance to tie it with a few uh, with uh, what was it 40 seconds left didn't work out but um again super duper proud that was a really fun tournament yeah, and then um Owen Crow from your team won the Nick Johnson award which yeah yeah which goes to the athlete that you know is the best teammate and works hard etc and then the national team selection of from the development boys for the Southwest zone were Gage from Trident uh, Travis Timms from Southside, uh, Logan Kraft, you know, from Southside and Evan Crowley from Bernie. Yeah. So, so congrats to all of them. Um, and then there were two other teams out there too. So the cadet boys, they also went three and two and they also just lost two games by, by, uh, one goal each. Yeah. Um, oh, they, and I, I think they were a lot like you where they had like, you know, I think they were playing the Pacific zone and they lost by goal in that first game to get top eight or bottom eight. Yep, that was a huge outcome. I was not expecting that, and that was a very good game. Yeah, they mm-hmm. uh, they lost to Great Lakes. I think it's a game that they were very frustrated by. And uh, and if they had won that Great Lakes game, and you can tell the score, but uh, that would have put them in that uh, nine to twelve bracket. Yeah, and I mean, so they lost to Great Lakes, which. You know, if you look at the scores, the transitive property uh, did not work very well. Yeah, um, exactly. But like, you know, uh, but they beat the Pacific Northwest, the Mountain and or the Midwest and the and then they beat the Pacific Northwest again. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's just it's just tough at those events, you know, sometimes because I've coached at those events, too, where, you know, you have your 14 people on the roster of which you have two goalies and then and then the 12 field players and you basically want to make sure everybody plays right and you're actually told to make sure everybody for the plays. first three quarters everyone plays equally and, yes and then but in reality it's sometimes tough you know because you know is the other coach doing the same thing who knows yeah. coming and um and it's just tough you know because because kind of because kind of sometimes you try to play that game of playing everybody but still yeah yeah, but still winning the game, but sometimes that gets out of hand, and I don't know if that happened in that Great Lakes game or not. But yeah, I do wonder about that too. Um, that's a conversation for another time. But uh, but then the youth, so the so the cadet team ended up with 13th. Also, the like the youth team ended up uh, at 13th. They had a they played the Central and they had that tough first game. It was 21 to five in that first game, but then they lost a couple heartbreakers. Um, they lost by a goal to the Mountain Zone, a goal to the Pacific Northwest, and then they ended up. Uh, yeah, kind of winning. It seemed kind of easily to to the the Midwest and the Hawaii zone. So, um, you know, overall, I think that the whole all the teams did well. And as far as the Nick Johnson Award winner for the that team, it was Luca from Pegasus Zivaljevic. Although they 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 claim it's Zivaljevic. Okay, I I'm speak a little Russian. They're they're from Montenegro. Yeah. 
And uh, two uh, selections to the natural team selection camp from the cadet team were Jackson Benners and Luca, both uh, both from Pegasus. Yeah. And then the Nick Johnson award winner and the and the national team selection camp person for the youth team was Leo from Trident. Oh, Hanessian. Yep. Leo. Um, he, he was, uh, I, the reason that the youth won that final game against, uh, Hawaii was because I was sitting on the bench assistant coaching. So just so that we're clear about that, but I watched them. That was a fun game that I, I think that they had, uh, again, as you mentioned, had some really heartbreaking losses. So that was a, that was a game where they got to take it out on another team. Yeah. I mean, and that's always, uh, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, it can be a frustrating weekend. It can be a very positive weekend. I mean, it's for, and that's all on one team and that's all within one athlete. So okay. ODP is, it means, it means something different to a, a, a lot of different athletes, but I do believe o, like the ODP is growing each and every year. We get more and more athletes that, yeah, th- yeah, that come out. I think it's a great experience for the athletes to go out there and, uh, and play in Utah and then go and then go play at the ODP national championships and I just think that, you know, it, it's becoming something more and more special. And I just think that that's a that's a credit to you. And it's also a credit to Chris Cohen on the women's side that are doing a great job as far as the as far as the back end organization of all of, of all the process. But, well, thank you. Chris is doing an OK job. He's all right. OK. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, he was actually back in um, Texas at the Thunder Spring Invite. Well, let me let me uh, just to wrap up the ODP thing, and I'm I'm really happy to move on to Thunder. Is uh, just we tweet I tweeted earlier in the week a quote, which is an actual quote from a coach, a very highly ranked coach, um, currently in California. But he the 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 subject of Texas came up more than once about how much growth is taking place here, about how much potential is here. And this coach just said basically, if I had my way, I'd get on a plane and go to Texas and never come back. And that's the kind of notice people are are giving now to what's going on in this state. And that's, uh, you know, that's plenty of credit to go around, but we're, we're making some waves. Yeah. I mean, if you're interested in coming to Texas and you're listening to this, please contact us and we will, we will put you with a club. We will put you with your own club. We will, we will point you in the right direction. We never have enough coaches. We never have enough referees. It's just that whenever you're here, it's not just going to be show up and go to practice. No, it's going to be a lot of admin stuff. It's going to be growing stuff. You have to wear a lot of different hats. So just be prepared for that. So here's a subject that is not appropriate for now, but let's we, we should talk about this at some point. Is that those coaches who are interested in coming to Texas, the ones that I've spoken to who may but may be from California, don't know that the UIL rule is that you have to be a district employee because California, the coaches are often, if not almost the majority of the time off campus. Um, so that's something that they need to be aware of uh, before they come If in case. In fact, I, I got a, a message from a coach at one point saying, I want to come to Texas. Can you get me a high school job? And I was like, well, are you a teacher? And he's like, no. I was like, this is – so we, we, anyway, something for us to talk about again. So, yes, Chris Cullen ran uh, the Thunder tournament this last weekend. You were there, yes? I was. And uh, that and there's a tournament for eighth grade and sixth grade and fourth grade and younger. It was great. They it was maxed out. I believe that there are some teams that couldn't even get in because it was um, it was full quickly. A good sign. So there was uh, there were games for eighth grade boys, eighth grade girls, uh, kind of sixth grade mixed and fourth grade mixed as well. How did your team do? I actually ended up coaching Lone Star Mavericks. Um, I 
took on the eighth grade and younger girls team. This is the first time that they played as their own girls team. Nice. And we lost all four games. Mm-hmm. It was awesome, which is fine yeah. because every every single kid that played for those teams got a whole lot better. Um, it was some tough competition with uh, with the Thunder Pegasus and Viper Pigeons, but um, I got my coaching fix. So it's great. <laughs> well, your team is brand new, right? I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot of kids that have been playing for probably about a year or so. Okay. But like, you know, that's the most. And there's a lot of kids like, you know, we had we had a fifth grade and under girl that played in there for two or three quarters. That's so, fantastic. And I mean, but they're getting better every single time. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, we're not doing the M zone or any sort of drops or anything like that we are going out there and making sure that they get back and yeah, on like in proper defense position and then going and putting hand on somebody going and being aggressive and being aware and making sure that they know the switch off of the sprint if they lose. And, um, and they know where the shot clock is. They know where the, uh, like, and they know that they can go to offense early or come to defense right. early. It's just, it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's all the, like the building blocks that, you yeah. know, it takes a little while. It takes, yeah, it takes some experience to kind of, yeah, you got to kind of get those, but from the first game to the last game, yeah, they did great. And some of the other little Lone Star Mavericks teams, yeah, yeah, they were winning games against teams that they were losing by a lot. Good. Only back in September. So, and for those that don't know, the Lone Star Mavericks, uh, Lone Star is the water polo club out in Rockwell, and Mavericks is a water polo club in the colony. They're both in North Texas. Um, they're yeah, they're both at the at the developmental stage, and we're trying to grow those. And they play together in the weekend tournaments because they wouldn't have enough uh, kind of separately. But um, but you know, um, overall, um, uh, Thunder uh, kind of did a great job with the whole tournament. Um, Pegasus won the eighth grade and younger girls. They came shot. back. Uh, yeah. They lost to uh, Viper Pigeon in the round robin, but then they came back and beat him in the championship game. Yeah, cool. Great. Yeah. Um, uh, was it um, Thunder Black won in the eighth grade and younger uh, mixed division, which is great. Um, and then Trident won the sixth grade and under mixed, and Pegasus won the fourth grade and younger mixed. Beautiful. So overall, it was a lot of games, a lot. Like they had three pools going. It was constantly go, 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 go. Um, I know this past weekend was tough because there was also the CWPA women's event down at, yeah, kind of down at Rice this past weekend. I know. Unbelievable how much stuff went on. I mean, I mean, there was, uh, and the, the, the biggest game from that weekend or, or from the uh, Rice event was Texas A&M beat, uh, uh, the, like a UT four to three. So what, what the, the, the you were giving me, a, you were giving me grief for uh, my lack of defensive skills. Well, there you go. You've got a bit, you've got a four to three score, a baseball score, basically for uh, A&M over UT this weekend. There you go. Yeah. All right. And, uh, and then there was a ton of like high school water polo. There, the, uh, there were a couple um high school water polo tournaments down in Houston. There was a high school water polo tournament down in, uh, down in, um, down in the Rio Grande Valley. And, a big one up here in um, North Texas as well. And just for all those that don't know, if you go to the TX water polo website under, under preps, there's a scores link and there, and you can click there and there's all the scores for all the different high school events. Yeah. So weekday games, as well as all, all the events. So. There you go. You asked for it. You got it. Joe put that together. Cause man, oh man, scores are difficult to do, but um, right. So, and we'll, we may have a way to gather some other scores if we really wanted to, but again, it depends on people actually filling the form out. So, um, but until then, well, I wanted to ask you, I don't know if you know anything specifically about what happened in Rio Grande, but that's the area that fascinates me maybe most of all. So of course, Flower Mound has a huge tournament and uh, these uh, tournaments down in Houston are, are longstanding. And so that's awesome. But I'm really curious about what you know about what happened in Harlingen. 
Why don't we get to that after the break? Let's do that. So time for a break, and then we'll go knee-deep into high school water polo. In many podcasts, this time would be filled with ads for electric toothbrushes or recruiting services. Not here. Instead, we're asking you to show your support for TX Water Polo by donating to it. Go to txwaterpolo.com donate and help us continue covering the sport we love in the Lone Star State. Hey, this is Jesse Smith, recent Pan Am gold medalist. I was just checking out Texas Water Polo from the TX Water Polo podcast. Also, you can check out the website. You can follow me at GoSmithNow. Thanks, guys. It's what everyone's waiting for, right, Joe? It's time to talk about high school water polo, which had yet another huge weekend uh, and ended with some surprises on top of the rankings. The, the girls' rankings changed, according to our coaches' panel. Um, Flower Mound is on top. Uh, they were not last week. They had some impressive results. They go to the top of the rankings, but um, followed. Uh, but well, actually, they they had some impressive games this weekend, did they not? I mean, that that was how this uh, rankings changed essentially. Yeah, the rankings right now are Flower Mound one, Foster two, Guyer three, Memorial four, and Saint Anne's five. Yep. And there's some other teams that were were receiving votes, but yeah, I mean, Flower Mound they beat uh, Guyer this past weekend, ten to okay. seven. That yeah. was the big, and big that, and, uh, and that was the big surprise from North Texas. And, and I say, and I say surprise. It's not like a surprise that that Flower Mound won. I just think that everybody was going into that game. They were, they were two tough teams, and, um, and you, and you weren't quite sure kind of who was going to come out on top. But uh, that was a significant statement win here early really in the season. Yeah, so. I think it was a bit of a surprise. I mean, I I, um, I don't follow them as closely as others, but, uh, you know, Geyer's pretty loaded. So it's going to be fascinating to see these two teams as a, as the season winds down. But um, as you but, said, a couple other teams got some mention, Carroll, uh, Jersey Village, and Marcus. They got some votes as well. Yeah, I mean, there were some great games down in, yeah, just down in Houston too. Like, you know, awesome. between Memorial, Jersey Village, St. Agnes, Foster, Cy Creek, they had a ton of games this past weekend, back and forth. It was one, two goal games. You know, Foster beat St. Agnes by a goal, five to four. Uh, you know, um, a, a Jersey Village beat St. Agnes kind of six to five. Wow. Um, I mean, there was just, I mean, of uh, kind of Foster beat uh, Side Creek uh, five to four. So, you know. Close game. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, I'm looking on here and I see that uh, Side Creek doesn't have any votes yet. I know. Come hey, on, coaches. Come on, come on, come on man. On. Get those on. on. Yep. I mean, and I think Memorial kind of they. Uh, I think they were outside the top five before, so I think they're very deserving to be in the top five now. Um, you know, I think Memorial beats and or they tied San Andreas five five. So okay. okay. A lot of good games up that like up and down the line. So it's going to be a. I mean, it's going to be a crapshoot. You know, at like in the district games, and then that's going to seed the regions, and then who knows at state. So a lot of tight results. That's actually much better than the sort of blowouts that can happen on occasion. So really good results. Um, and then as a result of that, and with the input of our uh, great fans, our great supporters, we have players of the week. Um, the feature that I think we we've gotten the most attention for in the last uh, the last podcast and the last couple of weeks of the website. Yeah, I mean, and thank you to everybody that is that are submitting the nominations and the winners of the player of the week for the on the girls side this year is the rookie player of the week is Lolo Trujillo from from Foster High School. Right. On the defensive player of the week is Abigail Shelby from St. Agnes. Yeah, again, that's right. I think she played. I mean, I think it was a great. uh, And then they all did. And then the offensive player of the week is Addison McGowan from Flower Mount High School. 
So congratulations to all of them. There's going to be write-ups on, on, on all of them at the website. And uh, just keep, and just please keep nominating people. Please keep nominating. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I'm going to cover that in a little bit as well, like uh, adding something to that. Um, and uh, Joe, I already wrote up the story. I just haven't published it yet. It's, it's all ready to go. So yeah, well, the second that we end this uh, conversation, I'm going to go post it, but I wanted to keep it a surprise until then. So um, on the boy side, not terribly big surprise. St. Mark's remains on top by a fairly wide margin. Um, and be, I, I can't wait for them to play, you know, a team like Guy or somebody like that who can really give them a game. It's going to be so much fun. But anyway, they remain on top, followed by Foster. Geyer is a third, Flower Mound fourth, and Memorial is fifth. Again, Memorial getting in on the rankings. And then, as you and I discussed before, Dawson is getting some love, which they should. I think some, was it you or somebody told me that, that they thought Dawson could win the state championship within a couple of years. But anyway, uh, just to make mention of them. I, I think Dawson, I mean, I think uh, uh, they have a new coach there. They have a lot of kids being fed into them by the South Side. So I think they can be good in uh, in a few years, sure. Good. Uh, but you they, don't, they, but these are high school all... kids we're talking about. Yeah. We don't yeah, know yeah, what's yeah. going to happen. If Is their car going to be taken away? Is their boyfriend or girlfriend going to break up with them? Who, who knows? So, is their coach going to leave for another school or just get out of high school water polo altogether? Yeah, we know. It's a it's a crapshoot, like you said. Yeah. So, but there were some good games in North Texas. You had Geyer beat Flower Mound 9-5. to five. And then a big surprising one was that uh, 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 Flower Mound beat uh, Marcus, that's not the surprising part. The score was only seven to five. Yeah, what a great result in the sense so that you know it's good to have these new teams up there. Yeah. Yeah. So congrats to Marcus and that, and they didn't receive any votes, but but you know, kind of if you're listening, that that might be a team to look at in the future. Right. And then Memorial is doing great. I mean, I know Foster beat Straight uh, 12-8, but Memorial beat uh, Jersey Village 8-3. They also wow. beat and they also beat Straight. Uh, uh, 10-4. So, you know, there's a lot of really good teams that are that, and a lot of good games that are happening both in North Texas um, and Houston. And this past weekend, we even had games down in um, the Rio Grande Valley. Right. So, I mean, there was, I mean, like the top, like the top three teams, they all beat each other down there on the girls' side. You had PSGA beat, uh, yeah, kind of beat Los Fresnos. And then Mac High beat PSJA, and then Los Fresnos beats Mac High. So everybody's one on one there. <laughs> they decided to share. Got it. Good. I'm so happy to see um, Mac High back in the fold. Like they they were part of the West Region for some time, and then they stopped, and now they're back. I'm very very pleased about that. Oh, I mean it's I mean there are tournaments every other weekend down there. Good. And there and there, and there probably could be more, and there's going to be more in Laredo down in Brownsville, like like eventually. It's like I think last year. I think we've mentioned this last week but we had six or seven teams play um uh, uh, last year only two years ago it was only two teams right so yep. um and that was very it wasn't really a season it was just a couple scrimmage games and last year there were there were three events and this year there's five and then and then, and then this year there's also a whole group of referees so a, a shout out to patrick Lou, who's the like the head referee down there he's doing a great job of of kind of of kind of teaching and recruiting referees um, and it is a huge step in the right direction. And on the boys' side down there, uh, just a just a shout out that PSGA went two and zero. Uh, Mission also went two and zero. Cool. And the two and the host teams, you know, the Harlingen and Harlingen South, kind of yeah yeah, kind of played each other mm -hmm. and 
kind of Harlingen kind of edged out um, kind of the South teams uh, uh, six to five. Okay. So a lot of a lot of competitive water polo going on. So I can't wait for those guys to come up here. That's going to be so much fun. Anyway, very good news. Um, uh, then as a result of all those games, players of the week, Joe. Players of the week. Uh, the rookie is Chris Poisler from Straight Jesuit. I hope Top we're getting that pronunciation right. I know you and I discussed that. Yeah, it's spell. Uh, that's the the spelling indicates that it's that way, Poisler. But if we got it wrong, our apologies. I apologize for yeah. anything that I say on here. <laughs> everything my, actually. My stuttering, my the pronunciations, <laughs> everything. So, uh, but the boys' offensive player of the week is Nate Wong from Denton Geyer. Yeah. The boys' defensive player of the week is Drew Miller from Foster. Drew Miller hired a publicist, I'm fairly certain, because he had so many fans and people writing in for him, and uh, we've had uh, some email exchanges, me and Drew, so well done. I mean, your Hollywood career is really, it's, it's you've kicked it off very nicely, but holy holy crow, you, you got some pub this week, that's for sure, so congratulations to all of them. Yeah, and again, the, uh, the the write-ups will be on the website here soon. Any scores and such are also on the TX Waterpool website. Just click on preps and just kind of highlight it. It'll go down to scores. So, yeah, we're going to be trying to do this throughout the season. So, uh, like coaches, please, please, please email us the scores and send us the scores. We will get them up as quickly as we can. Yeah, that, I think that there – I have experienced some coaches who do not share our opinion that scores actually are important. And um, and I'm speaking particularly about those in California, so that I'm not laying anybody out. But boy, oh boy, people want to know these things. They want to know the score. So please do. Share it with us as much as you possibly can. And again, we'll be sending out some emails to uh, the big group of coaches in the state of Texas coming up. But – Right now, time for a break, and then we'll come back with Coach Mark Lawrence of Austin College. Hi, I'm U.S. Olympian Janai Kerr, and when I need to stay up to date with my water polo news in Texas, I listen to the TX Water Polo Podcast. Well, if you love that's above and beyond the it's Mark Lawrence, head coach of the Austin College Kangaroos, who just returned from California after a four-game series. How are you, Mark? Good, good, James. Thank you. Yeah, so um, let's go over this quickly. I mean, there's so much stuff that happened this past weekend, and the and obviously we're in the middle of the prep season, as you've observed as well. Um, but four games, Monterey Bay, Sonoma, East Bay, and Fresno Pacific um, at Cal Lutheran. How was the overall trip? I mean, you you were in Thousand Oaks, and maybe your athletes had never been there before, and you did some stuff that was fun. How, how did everything go? Yeah, uh, overall the trip was really great, uh, you know, uh, it, it's a great facility, great area. Uh, w- weather was was good, I guess. You know, in a, sarca- <laughs> in a sarcastic way, it was like high 70s, low 80s, breezy, sunny. So, uh, like the over- overall, the entire trip was really was really great. Uh, the the uh, ladies had a had a good time and uh, had fun in the water, out out of the water. So, Excellent. overall, it was a really positive weekend. Okay, good. Um, you start and. These teams that you played, they um, are sort of on the border of being, say, top 15, 20 teams in the entire country. Maybe, you know, two of them are not quite as strong. So you came away with some very close matches, starting with the Monterey Bay game. Um, how did how did that uh, play out? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think Monterey so far has been the. Um, when you, when you compare to our first weekend at Brown, they were very similar to the top teams that we played out there skill wise. 
So uh, we were really happy with that game. I mean, we weren't happy that we lost, but we jumped out in the first quarter and went up, went up three three zero right away. And then we had a couple uh, unforced turnovers and unforced errors that led to opportunities for them. And uh, we kind of let them back in, into the game. And, um, you know, I think that game showed our ladies that, you know, when we, when we stay kind of on task and we work and we work collectively as a six together to create one, that we could do some really great things. Um, but when we don't and we make unforced errors or um, we, we, we panic in the moment, whatever it is, uh, whatever that, that mistake is, shows how fast those can kind of pile up and turn uh, 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 momentum against us and things of that nature. So that was a great game to walk away from, knowing that we played well for like 80% of it um, and that where we didn't play well wasn't forced by the other team. It was just a, a case of us being young and trying to do too much at times or trying to cut corners at times and how much that, that could kind of backfire. But they're a really talented team, and they're definitely a team that, for us, that when you make an error like that, um, they take advantage of it you know, right. almost every single time. So that was a great learning experience uh, for us as a very young team, you know. So Right. Um, your sophomore, Lexi Wong, scored six in that game. She's having a pretty yeah. stellar year. Yep. Um, uh, any And by all means, mention anybody else who, who stands out in any of these four games. But that game was followed by a tough one with Sonoma State. Um, I don't know if a lot of Texans even know about that program very much. It's in the middle of wine country, so it's quite nice. But yeah. um, what can you tell us about the actual team? Yeah, the actual team is really good. They probably had the best the uh, uh, best uh, center D and center that we played this year. Their two-meter game was very strong, and they had a, they have a great goalie. So right down the middle of the pool on both sides, uh, they're extremely strong and as strong as as talented as anyone that we we played up to this point um, this year. So for us, it, it was it, it was a great task to get our young uh, two-meter centers and two-meter guards to uh, match up with with what they had on their roster. And uh, again, it was a it was a case where um, they were they were the better team. They were the most more experienced team. But I don't think the score shows how well we played and how hard our women fought. And I thought in that game, our women did a great job of getting position and center and separating and creating. Um, you know, and at times the goals fell, and at times the, the the goals didn't fall. But you know, we explained to our ladies that playing center, the two hardest things is getting position and separating, especially against women like that. And being able to do so was was fantastic. And uh, you know, I thought our women played really well in that game. Um, we had a couple goals throughout the game, and uh, we achieved those goals. Um, and you know, I think we walked, we left that game a more confident and a smarter team. So. It, it also looks as though the scoring got distributed a bit. I mean, Lexi yeah. didn't score. Lexi Wong didn't score in that game while uh, Catherine Cox and um, uh, Sophie Oliver took up the slack. And your center, Kendall Tusek, even scored. She's my girl from Round Rock. But um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that whole thing about playing in the middle of the pool and, and trying to put your less experienced players against their strong cent- players that play in the center is, uh, is, is evident. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you know, you know, Lexi's a great player and she's one of a handful of ladies we have here that I think we can make an argument that is, you know, as good as any other D3 player in the entire country. And even in some of these games against Division One players um, or these uh, uh, Division One programs that right. we've proven that we have a handful of players who are as good, if not better than who we uh, play against. So for us, that's really exciting. And, you know, right now, um, 
she takes advantage of a lot of opportunities, which is which is a sign of a great player. But uh, we 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 function well when we're playing together, not creating a shot for one individual person. Um, and then that's why you see throughout a weekend like this where it kind of scoring go, goes in waves and you have some unexpected goals, maybe from some people uh, here and there. And it's really just the function of playing for the six and whoever whoever is in the whoever has the advantage being able to take a you know to take advantage of it versus trying to create shots for one person only so well plus you have these teams that have done a little bit of scouting too evidently right i mean they're they're, they know they know who's the scoring leader on the team and so they you know it's not surprising that they would shut her down yeah sonoma definitely watched our first game that morning like uh, their coaches were there watching watched lexi score six relatively um easy in that first game so they definitely had their uh, sights set on on shutting her down, which worked because she was still productive and a lot of other girls like Sophie Oliver and Brooke Lee uh, to really step up. And, you know, they play, they're as important as any, as anyone else, but uh, gave them some more opportunities that maybe the, um, they didn't have in other games where they do a lot of creating for others. So in that game, they did a lot, uh, others did a lot of creating for them. Which was really great. So yeah, that is great. Um, we haven't mentioned it yet. Monterey Bay, the, the final score is 14-9. Sonoma, 14-6. Um, the next game against Cal State East Bay, which again is a bit of a mystery. I remember when they were called Cal State Hayward. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. You want to? Here's a little inside baseball. I used to do marketing research, and part of my job one time was to test the new name for the university. So we basically we so it's have, your fault. We, it is my fault. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> doing the study the whole time, thinking like, I don't know if this is a good idea but anyway so now they're east bay and they have a new logo and all that kind of stuff anyway so uh 16-7 loss they uh, again are one of those teams that's sort of on the cusp of that top 20 uh ranking yeah yeah i i i feel uh no disrespect towards any of their schools but i feel that cal state east bay and uh monterey uh, sorry sorry i misspoke cal state east bay and uh uh sonoma state were the the two most talented teams on our schedule this entire year. Uh, they're, they I want to say by far because Brown and Bucknell are v- both very talented, but East Bay is, um, I thought was our hardest matchup and the best team that we that we've played against. And they're a phenomenal program and they're a great program. And again, it's one of these games where, you know, we we knew what we were up against when we put them on our schedule, um, and we we went in there and we played really well and played really hard and left the game healthy and better, both physically and mentally. But, and one thing we're really excited about is that, you know, we, we were able to get them to earn a red card, which is great because we got frustrated <laughs> in the right. quarter. And it was like a minor victory. But, um, I mean, we went into halftime, and it was a 7-4 game against a, a top 20, arguably top 15 program. Like, they're going to be at NCAA Nationals this year for D1 as a, right. conference, as a conference champion. Yeah. them or uh sonoma state so it's like uh, and that's no disrespect towards the rest of their conference i think they're just the strongest too right. so it's um so for us there's a lot of lot of opportunities for for like minor victories and uh we played really really well in that game and it's another game like uh, sonoma where all 14 field players played significant minutes and contributed so at times that helps us at times it hurts us but it's really important to get all that experience in so Something that we're really proud of, you know. Um, looks like uh, looks like uh, Sophie Oliver really would led the charge in a lot of ways. Eleven shots, yeah. three scores, three, yep. point, you know, one exclusion, uh, one steal. That's an excellent game. 
Absolutely. And again, kind of what I was going back to prior, like we have a handful of girls that at any point can, there can be an argument made that they're the best player in the water, you know, and from that graduating class, with the exception of uh, Gabby, who's at Marist, we feel we have three of the top four players from that Texas high school graduating class. So and they're, and they're doing phenomenal. And then we have obviously other great ones like Kendall and, and other ones who are coming along really quick. So, so we're, we're really proud of, of that entire group. Okay, Fresno Pacific, you're up eight to five at halftime. Yeah. It looks like, um, yeah. and I know that there were, I think there were comments on Twitter about how this was a, um, you know, pretty disappointing loss, or and it was a loss. Actually, it's listed on the Fosh as a tie at eleven. That's not correct. It's a <laughs> That's twelve. Not correct. You want to take we'll that take tie, it. right? Yeah, we'll yeah, take yeah. It, take that yeah. in the rankings, but um, a, a tough result against a team that uh, I think you're quite competitive with, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were we were devastated with that loss. Not like not devastated to where we felt the world was coming to an end or we were embarrassed. Um, they're a talented team for sure. And kind of going back to our first weekend, they probably would have been the um, third or maybe fourth most talented team we played after Bucknell Brown and uh, 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 CMS. Mm-hmm. So they're a very good, very talented team. Um, you know, it was a good argument of like I felt our starting seven were stronger and I felt that they were probably deeper and they're definitely more experienced with having some uh, upperclassmen on right. their roster. But uh, we played in, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way towards us, obviously, but we, we played really well. We played really hard. I think that's a game where, um, you know, at halftime, the whistles changed dramatically, but when it was all said and done, we had opportunities to prevent goals that they took advantage of. Uh, we had opportunities to win the game in the fourth quarter multiple times. Um, and there's there there definitely times where, as a coach, we could have used our timeouts differently or maybe subbed a little bit deeper earlier in, in the game to help our ladies stay a little fresher in the fourth quarter. So I think, you know, there's no fault anywhere. Uh, I'm really proud of how the women played. Um, and there's little instances here or there by the coaches and players where we were very close to making that be a, a great win. You yeah. know, but we, we, we talked to the ladies that, you know, that's not a game that becomes a negative emotional anchor. That's a game that becomes a positive turning point of like of of us stops of for us to stop saying we're this young team with talent and potential to start saying that we're a very good team and we need to play that way consistently. You know, so. Right. Uh, so we we took it as a negative. I mean, we're upset we lost, but we took it as a positive opportunity for program growth at the same time um brooklyn stood out on that one uh two for eight i mean maybe not the percentage she wishes was a little higher on her shooting possession but four steals um so yeah. um had a standout game let's let's move on because you're you have a up you, you know your schedule doesn't end and you've got now your league competition monmouth mcallister yeah. wittenberg carthage um, I, I would suspend those are games on the seventh and eighth uh this coming weekend um in, at monmouth college I'm guessing that Witten, or sorry, I'm guessing that McAllister is the team to beat, maybe along with you. Yeah. What's what's yeah, your assessment absolutely. of those four teams? Um, I think McAllister is the uh, is the top team in our in, in our division for for sure. Uh, they're they're returning champs, and until somebody beats them, they're returning champs. You know, uh, they have a very good starting six. Like their starting six is as good as anyone else's in our conference. Um, so we have to, we definitely have to get ready and be ready to play. Um, so we're, I mean, we're excited. This weekend, there's a little bit of a uh, neutralizer. We'll, we will be playing like a shallow deep pool. So we're, we'll see how we can adapt with that. But 
you know, this is weekend one of the second half of our season, which is going to be dominantly Division three games. Yeah. Whereas to this point, we've only played one Division three game. So um, I'm really excited to see how we do and how if we could take the momentum and the growth we've had from previous weekends and place that into our, our conference and, you know, either not be overconfident or still get up. Uh, there's a lot of little nuances that go into uh, learning how to win uh, uh, consistently. So I'm excited to see how our, our our women, you know, step up up to that challenge. Two weeks later, you play many of the same teams at McAllister, yeah. and that facility is really nice, from my understanding. Um, they should just yeah. schedule everything for Minnesota. Like just ha- just go up there. Uh, I would be, uh, yeah. So I we have. It's crazy. Not a lot of people look in our conference's direction, uh, uh, un, un, unfortunately. But like the coaches we have and in our conference and some of the facilities we have and some of the campuses we have in our in our conference, I would say are as attractive as like the CWPA and MAC Division One options. Yeah. You know, so McAllister has a great pool. Carthage has a great pool. Connecticut College has a great pool. Like I'd be, I'd be happy if we just went to those three places all the time. You know? So, uh, so we're, we're really excited for that. And, uh, McAllister does a great job of playing host as well. So, um, so yeah, we're really excited to start conference play and, uh, see how it all kind of shakes out. No offense to Monmouth college. They have the pool that they have and they're hosting and that's good enough. I, one final note, it's actually. Beautiful have, campus, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's they what I've heard. That. I've heard that too. So, um, speaking of Carthage. You may actually yeah. have a bit of a connection with that team. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, we're really excited to play them. Uh, you know, their head coach is one of my good friends. So we've kind of been through the mud together and a long, long journey together and very similar journeys as coaches. So, And we have very similar, similar ways that we see the game. So I'm really excited. Um, he has a dynamic freshman right now. So uh, we'll, we'll, we're, we're excited to play them. Um, kind of, you know, off the topic of time bit, we're excited to play them because they were cheering against us at our conference <laughs> championship last year. So it was a little extra motivation. But they were, un- they were under uh, different leadership. And That's right. I That's think right. They've, they've made a huge upgrade this year, um, although Lauren was, is a, was, was, was great. Um, but they have a great coach now, too. So, so we're, we're excited to, to uh, play them, you know. We're that coach to make them as much as possible. <laughs> Good. That coach <laughs> is Ryan Castle. He was uh, formerly in Indiana. He's boy. He's been all over the place. Kazakhstan's women's uh, national team in the past, and your paths have crossed many times. But yeah. uh, we will check in with you after these these games this coming week, and uh, wish you the best of luck. Thanks, Mark. Awesome. Thanks, James. You're listening to the TX Water Polo Podcast. We're done. Thank you, Joe. The frenzy continues next week. Yeah, I'm just happy that there's a lot of excitement about water polo at all different levels from Austin College to high school. Um, we even have games starting this weekend for high school in, in, yeah, in San Antonio. Um, it's going to continue with games down in Harlingen. So, I mean, and tournament got, at my pool. And there's a tournament at, uh, in, yeah, in your club's hosting a high school tournament as, as well as the normal stuff down in Houston and North Texas. And uh, and Austin College has some stuff coming up as well. They're they're traveling this weekend, and then home game 19th, I think that's right, uh, that's up right. at uh, up in Sherman. But anyway, yeah, we've covered everything. It's time for <laughs> it is so busy this week, Joe. I'm ready for a break. But 
Thank you to everyone for listening and for telling a friend about the TX Water Polo podcast. Go to TXWaterPolo.com for all the stuff that Joe talked about, scores and outcomes and uh, the podcast, social media, leaving comments, giving. Um, again, what a generous group of fans we have. The, we, we, I'm always stunned at how much uh, people are willing to give up for us to cover this game. Uh, much appreciated. Um, and you can submit game stories, too. Uh, I, I have some game stories that people submitted I've just been so backed up, I haven't been able to post them. But I think we're going to put together a digest so that um, those who are at the games and are following and have uh, and can write, um, just put together something and then we'll post that. But anyway, all that aside, until next week, so long from Austin. Yeah, take care, everybody.